Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hi, and welcome to this week's Celebration Church podcast. My name is Benai Halliday. I'm the senior pastor of Celebration Church. Uh, Sunday we had a few technical difficulties, so I've had to re-record uh, today's message, and I just thank you so much for joining us. Um, the weekend was a great weekend. It was our first weekend back after a few months off due to COVID. Uh, social distancing was in place, a few changes, but God's presence was there in our meeting. We also launched our kids' facilities, outdoor play equipment, and the kids loved it. Um, so God's doing some great things in our church and in our church family in this season. And I can't wait to see what God does in the coming months, uh, coming Six months really up to Christmas and beyond, uh, some great things ahead of us in Jesus' name. But today, I just want to bring us around the concept and the thought of the power of being a worshipping church. And one thing I absolutely love is being somebody who worships God, who loves to partake in worship. Growing up, I was in the worship team for seven years. I used to play the percussion at the start. That's right, I used to play the tambourine and the I don't think there was maracas back then, but I uh, moved on to the drums after that for a season. And I was really blessed just to learn how to work with others when it came to worshipping and ministering unto God's heart and also learning how to lead a congregation in times of worship. Um, it was an absolute joy and I've always been passionate about worshipping God. And today I just want to bring us around the thoughts of what is worship, why is worship important, and different ways we can worship. With COVID-19, some of the recommendations that the Australian government has given us is that corporate singing in church is something that we shouldn't do uh, in this season as it can spread uh, moisture droplets um, easily when you are projecting your voice. And so we've had to come up with creative ways of how to think about worshipping God and really come back to scripture. What does the scripture say about worshipping God? What is God's heart when it comes to worship and how do we do worship well? And so we're going to start with that today. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, Jesus tells us to pray this prayer. It's the, 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 the prayer of our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as a church, as Celebration Church, one thing that God is really causing us to lay a hold of is the reality that we can actually live lives that cause the atmosphere of heaven to touch earth. Jesus said here, he said, pray the prayer, um, our Father, hallowed be or worship, we worship your name, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I, we already see right now the setup of how do we bring heaven to earth? Well, you bring heaven to earth by having a worshipping heart. Our Father, we worship you. Let your kingdom come. And when we become people of worship, when we have hearts of worship, we actually cause heaven to touch earth. My dream and my heart is that our city, the south coast and beyond, would be known as a place where the atmosphere of heaven exists, an atmosphere of love and joy, of forgiveness and peace, and all these amazing things that heaven represents. But we have to also realize that the foundation of that is actually the worship of the hearts of people. 
And we have to come back to the basics of what worship is. So the question is this, what is worship? Well, number one, worship is a posture of the heart. Worship is a posture or the stance of somebody's heart. We see in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 and 9, Jesus is speaking and he makes this statement. It's a very powerful statement. He's speaking and he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. And he's speaking to the religious people at that time. And I just pay attention to that because I, I know in my life there's been seasons where I've come to church or there might be a Sunday where something has happened at home or and, and you come and you know that your heart isn't quite lining up with the words that you sing in church. I don't know about you, but there has been moments where I'm like, the words that I'm singing, I don't know if it's actually where my heart's at. And what happens is in that moment is that we feel like we're fooling God, but all God really wants is our heart. Even if our heart's a bit messy, he wants our words to line up with our heart. And so it's so important that we come back to, God, what is the posture? What is the stance of my heart? We must be careful not to honor God with our words, but not our hearts. And so we have to start with what worship is. Worship is a heart attitude. It's a heart stance towards God and the things of God. The second thing when it comes to worship is this, is that worship is a lifestyle. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, Romans 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. So we want to be people who worship God well, who worship God in spirit. Well, we have to understand that it comes back to how we live, living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. We must never forget that we aren't like everybody else. We're set apart. We're set apart as living sacrifices. It's easy to go through the motions of worship when it comes to an outward expression, but we have to understand that our lifestyles reflect what we truly worship. How I treat my wife, how I raise my son, how I treat my neighbor, how I treat my enemy, all these things come into play when it comes to what is the lifestyle of worship in my life. When it comes to the question of why worship, we have to actually take a moment to realize that there is reason behind our worship. There is power behind our worship. And in John chapter 4, verse 23, it says this. In John 4, 23, it says, But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for this is who the Father is seeking. You see, we have to understand, number one, that we worship because God loves it when we worship. He is worthy of our worship. He is holy. He is powerful. He is good. He is the name of every other name, the name of Jesus. And so when we worship him, we have to understand that when we worship in truth, in genuineness and in spirit, it says here that the Father is seeking such a people. You see, he seeks those people because he loves to hear a worshiping heart. How are you going today with being someone who is worshipping God with all your heart? Because what happens is, is that when we come to that genuine place, when we let the noise die down and we let the cry of our heart rise up to God, a cry of worship, it actually causes the heart of God to draw near to us. He seeks out worshippers who worship in spirit and truth. 
The second reason we worship is this, is that God inhabits the praise of his people. And it says in Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, You are enthroned, or you are wholly enthroned in the praises of Israel. God inhabits the praise and the worship of his people. If you think about the words that you speak, if you think about the lifestyle of worship, are you causing it to be a structure that God can inhabit? Is, 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 uh, is your expression, is the way that you uh, conduct yourself something that God wants to actually inhabit? Because the power of worship is this, is that God inhabits the praise of his people. I love that. You know, when we worship God together as a church, when we take time on a Sunday to sing, when we take time to encourage people and welcome new people in and, and love each other, we actually cause an atmosphere to take place. We, we create an element where God inhabits the atmosphere changes. I always encourage our church family to when they have dinner with their families at home, do this as an experiment. Take time. Do it if you want as a lifestyle. Take time to actually stop and go, what are some things we are thankful for? What will happen is as the people at that table share things they're thankful for, the atmosphere starts to change. That atmosphere is God's presence. It's the presence of heaven. On the flip side, if you're at a table and everyone's whinging, everyone's being negative, everyone's being discouraging, you watch the atmosphere also change. If God inhabits the praise of people, the question is this, who inhabits our whinging? We have to be so careful that we call, that we're people who cause a shout of worship and praise to rise up from our lives. You are wholly enthroned in the praise of Israel. The third thing is this, is we worship because we become like what we worship. We worship because we become like what we worship. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says this. Again, we just read it, but let's read it again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. And verse 2, which ties into it, says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, here we see the scripture to be people who offer God true worship, but then straight away it adds something to it. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed into the things of God. You see, what happens is, is that we actually become like what we worship. You know what you worship by what's reflected in your life. Some people, they worship their career. All they do is live for their career. When you see them, when you speak to them, it's just all about what they do. Some people, they worship relationships. They run from one relationship to another. Some people worship their partner. Some people worship money. Some people worship insecurity and fear. And you see these things, these negative things start to come and rise up in their hearts and it comes out of their mouth. But when you actually look to Christ, fix your eyes on Jesus, you start to reflect Christ. Because what happens is when we worship God, we actually encourage God's presence to fill our hearts and we partake of the good things of God. We receive his love, so we become more uh, full of his love. We receive his grace, so we become more full of his grace. We receive his mercy, we become more merciful. We worship what we, uh, sorry, we become like what we worship. Today, what are you reflecting? Be somebody who is worshiping God, and through that, reflect 
God in your life. The fourth reason why we worship, and I love this one, is found in Psalm 34, verse 3. It says, O magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 34, verse 3. When we worship God, what happens is, is we magnify God. We magnify God and not our problems. When we worship, we magnify God and not our problems. I know in life, everyone's going to have the storms. Jesus said that. He said the storms will come. The question, though, is that when you see that wave on the horizon coming, when you see that mountain appear out of nowhere, do you magnify the mountain? Do you magnify the wave or do you magnify God? And the best way to magnify God is by being somebody who knows how to worship God. When you worship God, you cause God to become the main thing and it puts problems and challenges in their right size. And we see it with Joshua and Caleb. We see it with the Israelites, the spies that went into the promise. And what happens is most of the spies say, the giants were too big, we are grasshoppers in their eyes. But Joshua and Caleb understood who their God was. They were worshippers. And they said, no, wait a second. In, in the eyes of our God, they are the grasshoppers. Our God is bigger. When David saw Goliath, Goliath wasn't too big. To everyone else, Goliath was the giant. But David knew how big his God was. He was a man of worship. He was one who was documented, would, would worship God. The Psalms are written around his worship. He knew how great his God was. So when you worship, when you have a lifestyle and a posture of worship, May you be somebody who magnifies God and not your problems. It's so powerful, amen. When it comes to ways to worship God, the next few weeks or even beyond that, we're going to be looking at different biblical expressions of worship, different ways that we worship God. Uh, you know, we, we sing songs in church. We sing a new song to God, and that's biblical. It's, it's definitely part of the pie but there's also other parts of the pie as well, and they're all just as powerful. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to unpack this together. We're going to look at ways to worship God. We're going to look at things like lifting holy hands, things like dance, waiting on God, thanksgiving, the power of loving others and how that's an act of worship, sacrifice, how sacrifice in life is a worship act to God, how generosity is worship, how obedience is worship, how communion, the act of communion and remembering is worship, how prayer is an act of worship, and there's many more. And on Sunday, we've done this exercise together, and right now on this podcast, I just want to encourage you uh, to do this exercise wherever you are. We talked about the power of worship when it comes to the meditation of our hearts. And in Psalm nineteen fourteen. Psalm 1914, it says this. It says, May the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I just want to encourage you, wherever you are right now, to take some time just to meditate, as it says here, meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Meditation is an inward reflection. On Sunday, we've just had the band play a beautiful worship song, and I encouraged those who were there. I just said, why don't we just take some time to reflect on the goodness of God, reflect on the words of the song, reflect on who God is to you. And I just wanted to let you know that the presence of God was in the place. 
Because what happens is when we reflect and meditate on the things of God, powerful things happen. And don't let Eastern religion or different other expressions take away from the word meditate. Psalm says that we should sealer, in other words, stop and think or ponder on this. God wants us to stop, let the noise stop, let all the things around us slow down so that we can meditate on the things of God. And by doing so, there is a heart cry of worship that rises to the throne room of our Heavenly Father. And we become powerful worshippers. We might not be singing the song out loud, but that song of our heart, if we let that rise up, powerful things happen in Jesus' name. So your homework this week is this. Take time every day to meditate on the things of God. Reflect and think about. Seal us. Stop and ponder this. Just enjoy God's presence and become someone who makes sure that the posture of their heart is towards the heart of God, that the lifestyle of our lives reflect worship towards Him. In Jesus' name. Hey, again, I thank you so much for joining us. I pray God's blessing over you, over your family. I pray favor. And most of all, I pray the presence of God. May it impact you. May it change your life in ways you never thought possible. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.